So before we get started on this week's episode, let me tell you about our presenting sponsor, Hunt to Harvest. Now, Hunt to Harvest is back with us for our second season here at Three Wide, and we could not be more excited to have them back. Right now, they're having a special sale on their long sleeve and short sleeve shirts, as well as a new special with the mystery box. Now, with the mystery box, you can get three awesome designs of shirts for $33. And at $11 a shirt, you can't beat this deal for the quality product you get. These shirts are 100% Peruvian cotton, and they are true to size. And with the design options you can get, you can't lose. So head on over to huntharvest.com. That's H-U-N-T-T-O-H-A-R-V-E-S-T.com. Just click on mystery box there at the top of the page and select your size and proceed to checkout. Now, when you get to checkout, be sure to enter that promo code RADNEY18923. That's R-A-D-N-E-Y-18923 for additional savings. And you can get it all at huntharvest.com. The 2023 season is officially underway as we had the clash at the LA Coliseum where Martin Truex Jr. came away with the win. We're going to go over that race, including Austin Dillon versus Bubba Wallace, an impressive showing by Ryan Priest. And we'll also look ahead to next week's Speed Weeks as we get ready for the Daytona 500. And we go over it all on this episode, Three Wide. So on Sunday, we had the second running of the clash at L.A. Coliseum where Martin Truex Jr. got the win. And after going winless last year, you got to think this just takes, you know, a little bit of that weight off of his shoulders. Just kind of proving that he can still go out there and get it done. And this year was really this year's running of the clash was a polar opposite of last season. Whereas last year, teams were limited on their supply of cars. It was the first race with the next gen car. And it was a completely new track that they hadn't been on. It, it led to, I hate to say a boring race, but a, a pretty, well, I can't think of another word for it. it. It was a pretty boring race last year, just to be honest. This year, it was the complete opposite, where at times it, it felt like an old school Saturday night short track. It still was at, at times felt like a clown show with as many cautions as we had. It took about 30 minutes just to run 10 laps after the halfway point. But I do feel like NASCAR made the right call putting this race at night. It, it, it had that old old school short track Saturday night feel to it, but you had 16 cautions. It was, there was guys beating and banging, driving through each other throughout the field. And you also had drivers not too happy with one another. And like I said, Martin Trex Jr., he you know, led quite a few laps, looked impressive. And after not winning last year, he starts off this season with the right foot. Now, some other drivers were equally impressive. Eric Almirola led uh, the first 16 laps. He looked very strong. Ryan Priest was probably the driver I was most impressed with during this race. And Bubba Wallace and Denny Hamlin, they were the other leaders in the race. And Bubba had a a great race as well, which kind of ended on a sour note, but we'll get to that here in just a second. But as I was saying about Ryan Priest, I was very impressed by by the moves he made on the restarts. And while most drivers were running through each other, knocking each other out of the way, Priest was, he had that outside lane really working for him. He was able to really use that momentum off the corner to help him get runs and make passes. He was able to take the lead from Bubba, hold off the, the field on a couple of restarts. 
and looked to be the guy to beat. I think he was the best car out there on the track, but unfortunately he ran some fuel pump issues, which took him out of the running and allowed Barton Truex Jr. to take control of the race. But last year you had Priest show up at this race in a Rick Ware racing car, which Rick Ware racing, they're not the strongest in the field. They're normally towards the back half of the running order. And Priest went out there last year and made this team look like somebody. He, he was very impressive in his run with that car. So it's no surprise that he ran as well as he did in a Stuart Haas racing prepared machine. Now, Priest has had the talent. He's just never had the backing, and he's had to claw his way up to this spot he's in now, and he almost took full advantage of it here in the first race. But while he didn't get the win, didn't get the solid finish he deserved, I think this was just an example of what we'll see this season from Ryan Priest in that 41 car. I think he is going to be a guy to beat on the super speedways. He was very strong in his super speedway runs with JTG Daltrey Racing. Always up there, it seems like, toward the end in the top five, in the mix of it. And it's the same deal. Now that he's in a Stuart Haas racing car, he's got that much more speed. He's going to be that much more of a competitor to, uh, to deal with. Also, keep an eye on him on tracks like New Hampshire, Martinsville, Bristol, Homestead. I think those are going to be really good tracks for him as this season goes on equally impressive was Bubba Bubba he led 40 laps and even after he lost the lead to Priest he was able to hang up there whereas most drivers when they lost the lead it seems like they just get hunted out the way and shipped to the back and have to work their way back to the front but Bubba he was able to stay in contention hang in the top three with all these restarts and looked like he was set up for a strong podium finish now then we had the incident with Austin Dillon where Bubba and Austin, they were battling for second and got to lean on each other on a restart. Austin was on the inside, Bubba was on the outside, and as they come off of turn four, Austin ran Bubba wide and Bubba got in the wall, which led to Bubba giving Austin a little shot in the rear going into turn one. And from there, if they got alongside each other or nose to tail, that they were going to be making contact. They were, they were being pretty aggressive out there on the track as most of the field was, but Bubba was able to get back in front of them coming out of turn four. As they went back into turn one, Austin Dillon repaid the favor from the bump earlier. He hit Bubba Wallace really looked like the same type of bump that, that Bubba had given him, but Bubba spun out. He wasn't able to hang on to it. Um, and as they came back around under caution, Bubba showed his displeasure, made some contact with Austin. I, Overall, with the whole situation, I have no problem with what went down between these two drivers. I didn't see anything as a cheap shot. I It looked to me like good, hard-nosed racing between two competitors with less than 10 laps to go, and they just weren't wanting to give an inch, and nor should they. Bubba and Austin both had strong cars, probably could have been up there in the running for the win if they were able to, and 10 laps at this quarter-mile track is going to fly you know, you had guys that were running through each other on lap one. So at least it wasn't lap 10 and Austin, you know, spun out Bubba. But there were still some pretty pretty bad takes on this from fans across social media. You had fans going as far as to, you know, talk about Bubba deserved it because he was roughing up Austin and Austin had enough and sent him out the way. Then you had others on the other side of it talking about Austin. He's got no talent. That's all he's good for. That's all he knows to do. So on and so forth. Really, 
the way I look at it, I fall right in the middle. There was no cheap shots. There was no dirty driving. Two guys just going for it all. But the main one that I saw was from uh, Couch Racer, which is a company that is owned or run by Brett Griffin, who is a former full-time cut spotter. He still spots in the cup on a part-time basis this season. And Freddie Kraft, who is the spotter for Bubba Wallace, that social media account had some takes that that I think mm, that, that weren't that great. Now, I don't know who was doing the tweeting. Apparently, from what I've gathered, they have a handful of people who can tweet from this account. So we know it wasn't Freddie because Freddie's up there working and, and spotting for Bubba. I, I don't believe it was Brett. I, I'm not sure that. But either way, a lot of people have the keys to this this account. But they tweeted after Austin Dillon spun out Bubba that, you know, it was Dillon with a cheap shot. And that was anything but a cheap shot in my mind. Like I said, it was short track racing. Bubba gave what he got, and Dillon did the same. He gave what he got. And going into the corner, it wasn't like Austin was two or three car lengths back and just sailed it in and shoved Bubba all the way to the wall. They were still, nose to tail, pretty close. And... He gave a bump to Bubba just as Bubba had done to him and Bubba spun out. If the roles were reversed and Bubba had been the one to spin out Austin, I'd be taking the same position. It's just two guys going for it all with less than 10 to go. The question is, would couch racer say the same thing? If it was Bubba that spun out Austin, would they have sent out Bubba with a cheap shot? I, I got my doubts on that. That was just one of two bad takes from this account. The second one was when the caution came out after Michael McDowell had ran out of gas. Uh, he made it all the way around the track. He was sputtering. You could tell he was having some issues. He had run out of gas. He went to turn into the entrance to the infield pit area of the track, but that turn is such a sharp turn. He wasn't able to get it in. He was pretty much in the way. NASCAR threw the caution just to get him, get him back into that safety area. The couch racer account put up a picture from the, the TV shot and said, what an idiot. I think Josh Balicki said it best in a reply. Josh Balicki, the, the driver, he summed it all up. He said it was, a, in so many words, it was a crap take. You literally couldn't make the turn unless you swung from the outside of the track, which he wasn't going to do under green. Other drivers complained in practice. NASCAR did nothing to fix it. And... He, his reply, you know, was spot on. I mean, he was right, right with it. He, you could see multiple drivers through practice and qualifying that would do that where they go all the way to that wall, to the outside, try to turn in and they wouldn't be able to make it. We would see it like drivers like Chase Elliott couldn't make that corner and they'd have to back it up and reposition themselves just to get in there. So McDowell was far from the only one with this problem. And another thing I noticed I had talked about last week with Kevin Harvick's retirement season, he is going to go out there with zero cares. He is going to lay it all on the line and he's not going to take anything. And we saw that a couple times Sunday night, first with Todd Gilliland, where Todd spun him, Kevin Harvick out. They take the green flag and Harvick quickly repaid the favor and spun out Todd. The other one was post-race. You, you know, there towards the end, apparently Harvick was racing really hard with William Byron. Harvick took exception to it after the race was over, kind of drove into the back of Byron, which in turn spun out Denny Hamlin. So 
like I said, with Priest, it was a sample of what we'd see from his season. I think this was a sample of what we will see from Kevin Harvick this year. You better be careful if you're going to be messing around with Harvick this year because he's not going to have any patience. He's not going to have any care to to deal, to take that. So all in all, I think this was a, a better clash than last season. It, it's still a little bit of a clown show with all the, the accidents and how long it took to complete the last 75 laps. But now what do you do with this race? The, you know, nobody knows if it's going back to the Coliseum next year or not. Me personally, I say I think it's time to to move on from L.A. Coliseum. Now, where do they move it to? Do they take it to other stadiums across the country, other big sporting venues and other markets? I, I feel like to keep it from going stagnant again, they're going to have to try and keep it fresh. They're going to have to start moving it around. And while the crowd still looked good out there on the on the TV, I think from what people in the media were saying, roughly 5,000, about 5,000 people less than what we had last year. As you continue running it out there, you're going to see smaller and smaller crowds. I know they're trying to get the, the go after the new fan, you know, get, get new blood into the sport. And you, you may do that out there. LA is a big market, but most of the time, most of these people are going out there because they want to see the show. They just, it's something to go out, something different to go and see. It's a spectacle for them. Now, I don't think they can, they will take this to short, actual short tracks across the country. The old school fan that I am, I would love to see them run. If you want to do short tracks, do them at already standing short tracks. Take it to some different markets like, uh, you know, if you want to do North Wilkesboro like you are the All Star Race, do it there. You, you know, they're talking of reviving Rockingham. You could sample it out there or go to some, do like the SRX, go to a lot of these short tracks like your Five Flags Speedway, your Stafford, Knoxville. You could do the Nashville Fairgrounds on this. So many different tracks you could hit, head to. But NASCAR is going for the big crowd and they're not going to get those at those these smaller tracks. They'll sell out. They'll be good crowds but they're not want NASCAR or those crowds aren't what NASCAR's want to touch right now. They're trying to build up newer fans. So the only thing that makes sense is taking these to other stadiums, making other tracks. And I think that could be something special if you hit the right areas. Uh, I'd love to see it on actual short tracks, but I just don't think we're going to see it. I know we're not going to see it back at Daytona. I think that's over and done with for a little while. But it'll be interesting to see what they come out with, whether it's next week or five months from now, what they're going to do with the Clash. The other big thing before we get off of the Clash was drivers still talking about the hits in these next-gen cars. Now, we're on this quarter-mile track, and drivers like Denny Hamlin and, and, and Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, several others, they're talking still about these hits like it will still ring your bell, and they're still feeling the effects after the race and you know a day or two after. And that's very concerning. Some drivers were even needing to get oxygen because they were getting fumes in the car from, from all the contact that was being made on the track. Now, that, that that is very concerning. This I hope this doesn't lead to a long season, whereas last year when we had the injuries with Kurt and Bowman and Tyler Reddick, that was on the back half of the season. And it, it, if it... If it starts early, 
we start having drivers early in the season getting knocked out of these races, NASCAR is going to have to do something drastic with these cars very quick because they worked on the rear clips of the cars to try and soften the blow. But if these guys are already feeling the effects of it on this little track, it makes me very nervous about what we're going to see as we go to these, not just Daytona or Atlanta or Talladega, but your Texas, your North Wilkesboro, your Bristol, Martinsville, these smaller tracks, which is where we saw a lot of drivers getting their bell run. Something to keep an eye on. I hope NASCAR's already got more ideas in the bag on how to tackle this if we if it comes to that point. But time will tell. Otherwise, you just keep your fingers crossed and hope we have a safe season. So now we get ready for Speed Weeks, the Super Bowl of NASCAR, the Daytona 500. We have qualifying next Wednesday, the 15th, and the duels will be on Thursday, the 16th. Now, this year's dual races, they're going to be very exciting to watch. I, I'm I'm just counting down to that dual race because this year we have some very competitive drivers in open cars. We have seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson, uh, Travis Pastrana. I guess the best way to describe him is driving driver extraordinaire. This guy gets behind all sorts of vehicles, types of racing, and it's just it's a big name to be in this race, making his Cup Series debut. He's ran in the Xfinity Series with Roush, so he does have some experience in NASCAR. You also have defending truck champ Zane Smith, truck playoff contender and new Xfinity driver Chandler Smith, Austin Hill, who's coming off of a breakout rookie season with Richard Childress Racing and is a very strong super speedway driver. Also, you have another crossover driver, Connor Daly, who's going to drive for the money racing team in the 50 car. So it's a solid group we have coming into this race. Now, roughly from what I've gathered, there's about 42 cars for 40 spots. And I look back at the duels because for about the past decade and a half, the duels had lost its luster, in my opinion. You had smaller fields and what drivers were competing for some for the final spots in the 500 were really non-competitive teams. So I look back and the best field I could find in recent memory was back in 2007, where you had some big names miss this race and some decent teams miss the race. You had drivers like Truck Series champion Mike Bliss, Jeremy Mayfield, Paul Menard, who was driving for DEI at the time, Cup champion Bill Elliott, who was a two-time Daytona 500 winner, Ward Burton, who won the 2002 Daytona 500, Brian Vickers and A.J. Allmendinger, who were you know, trying to make their start with the new Toyota team, Red Bull Racing. All those guys missed that year's Daytona 500. This has the chance to be the best field we've had since then. It's going to be a tense couple days in Daytona. Who's going to have the, the question is who's going to have the better qualifying time of these open drivers so they can go into the duels and, and at least breathe a little easier. And what drivers are going to go in there and say, okay, we're going to have to race our way in. It, it's going to be a very stressful duel. Two races, probably a more competitive duel race than we've seen in, in quite some time. But since we won't be having a show next week, we're going to wait till after the Daytona 500. Make some predictions here. I can see Jimmy Johnson and probably Chandler Smith doing good on time. So that's going to leave, I think, Travis Pastrana, Zane Smith, Austin Hill, Connor Daly, and if there's anybody else announced up until then to battle for the, the final spots. 
And I want to see Travis Pastrana do well in the duels and get into the Daytona 500. I, I, him and Zane Smith are, are the guys I'm riding high on that, that I think they'll be able to race their way in. Austin Hill, do not sleep on him. He is a solid super speedway racer. And with that 62 car, the runs that that team has had before at super speedways, they are a upset possibility as far as making it into the field and could have a solid day in the Daytona 500. So Connor Daly, I don't know. I'm not saying he's, he's, he's a bad driver. I just don't know enough about this team he's with and his experience on the super speedways. It, it, he's the one I'm a little bit more skeptic about of the group, but we'll wait and see. I could be surprised. You never know how these things shake out. The favorite, I think, the guy I'm picking to win the Daytona 500, I may have picked him last year, is Ryan Blaney. He has been so close so many times. He is, I wouldn't want to say underrated, but he's he's not mentioned a lot, it seems like, as far as super speedway races. You always hear about, you know, the Hendrick drivers, uh, Denny Hamlin, rightfully so. He has been very dominant in Daytona 500s. But Blaney is as solid as they come as far as drivers who still can get a, a, you know, still hasn't had a Daytona 500 win. So Ryan Blaney's my pick, but also kind of pick 1B is Bubba Wallace, who, like Blaney, he's had a solid career on super speedways, even when he was driving for Petty. He finished second last year. He won his first career race at Talladega. He's always up near the front of these races. And after the season he had last year, he's going to have, he's got some confidence about him in the way he ran at the clash. So, I could see him being a threat. It is, it's going to be exciting to watch, to say the least, to see who comes away with this Daytona 500 victory. <clears throat> and before we sign off, there was a couple news that's come out over the past couple of days. One thing that came out over the Clash weekend was the news that Auto Club Speedway will not be holding a race next year in 2024 as they are transitioning to the half-mile short track. And that's very disappointing to hear and you know when you hear this uh, i wish they would keep auto club like it was because this is probably one of the better tracks on the schedule very you know just the wide range that you have as far as lanes the wear of the track it makes for great racing but here we are they're they're going to turn this thing into a short track i can't picture that track in a half mile but they will not be there next year it's Still yet to be seen where they'll be next season. I'm sure they're going to be looking to go somewhere in that area, try to keep that market for next season. And also it was announced today that Zane Smith will be making more starts for Front Row Motorsports this year. Unfortunately, it comes at the cost of Todd Gilliland's full-time season. Todd will be out for six races as Zane Smith will step in for those. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, I'm happy to hear Zane getting more starts and more of an opportunity in the Cup Series, but I hate that it comes with losing Todd Gilliland full-time. Todd had a decent rookie season. I look at Todd and Zane as the future of Front Row Motorsports. I think those are two young drivers that Front Row Motorsports should really hang their hat on and try to build up and to make themselves more competitive. You don't know how much longer Michael McDowell will be driving um, and Michael McDowell's done an amazing job for that team and really helped step up their program on super speedways and road courses. And you could see that last year, but where this goes from here, 
I don't know what Todd's contract situation looks like. I hope this doesn't strain the relationship to the point where Todd has to go elsewhere because I think that would be a shame if front row lost out on Todd Gilliland just because I think that that's a, that's, those are two drivers that I would want to have under my banner on a, on a, on the race team. So before we sign off, I just want to let everyone know that we will not be having an episode next week with qualifying and the duels there in the middle of the week. We're just going to hold off till after all the action from Daytona. So I will be back on Monday, February the 20th. We'll be going over the the right, the truck race, the Xfinity and the cup series races at Daytona. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to wherever you're listening to this podcast from also head on over to my YouTube channel. You can find the link in the description below hit subscribe there because we'll have a new video out here in a couple weeks and also head on over to hunt to harvest. They are our presenting sponsor. Use that promo code. Let them know that we sent you and enjoy the products that you get from there. So thank you for joining me on this week's episode of three wide. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on this podcast as well as my YouTube channel and be sure to check out our presenting sponsor, hunttoharvest.com. Check out all their specials they got going on today. I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their week, and we will meet back on Monday, February 20th to go over all the action from Daytona Weekend.